got Devin Booker, who was playing at a superstar level last year. We know what Kevin Durant is. You had a guy like Bradley Beal. Now you put him in position to be in a, a team where he's contending and really show, you know, what he's all about. And this is his first time being away from the Wizards. And um, he's got a real chance to win. So this is going to be a big, big season for uh, Brad Beal, I feel like. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Speaking of Q, that was Quentin Richardson right there talking about the Bradley Beal move from the Wizards to the Suns. And let's continue to deep dive on Bradley Beal to the Suns as the NBA offseason is a lot of fun. Always am entertained by what goes on in the NBA offseason. We bring in our guy Flex from Jersey, Coast to Coast Podcast, 98.7, the Suns postgame show. And Flex, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Definitely appreciate you, my man. And Bradley Beal to the Suns, CP3 to the Wizards. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that report come out on Sunday? Oh man, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. You know, behind the scenes, you, you know, you start to do your work and, and you get into it. And uh, I got I got wind of this on Saturday, and it's it's hard to believe, man, because you're talking about Bradley Beal. You're talking about Bradley Beal for a soon to be 39 year old Chris Paul, uh, Landry Shannon, some second round picks. So you got to wrap your mind around that. <laughs> But ultimately, man, when you got an owner with deep pockets and he, and he's willing to go out there and spend and win a championship at all costs, um, along with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you know this is this is how things play out, man. So uh, I I think it's a big grab for the Phoenix Suns, man. So as far as Phoenix goes and their roster, we saw all that they gave up to get KD. Now we're seeing what you know is going back to Washington in return for Bradley Beal. Do they have enough depth, or do you expect or anticipate another move to come? Yeah, I mean, right now on paper, no, they don't have enough depth. But this is a long off season, and they've yeah. got ways to get there. And uh, I think the clear cut way is DeAndre Aiden. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. There's five to seven teams calling about DeAndre Aiden, and the Suns know they have deals in place currently for DeAndre Aiden. So you don't make the Brad Beal trade and then sit down and say, "How are we going to get the next eight dudes?" <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. You make the Brad Beal deal knowing that you got other things lined up. And I can tell you emphatically, uh, people that think that DeAndre doesn't have a market, Washington wanted DeAndre. They wanted DeAndre in the deal, and the Suns refused to do that. And I think they refused to do that because they, they understand that that's going to be the way to build out this roster. So is there a move for – is DeAndre Ayton, is that a possibility of maybe Indiana, a team that signed him to a contract uh, offer sheet a, a year ago before Phoenix matched it? Absolutely. I'm hearing, I'm hearing Indiana. I'm hearing Atlanta. I'm hearing uh, Portland, a uh, multitude of teams, Boston. Uh, oh, there's wow. about five to seven teams that are interested in DeAndre. And Indiana is one. Indiana gets a little tricky because, you know, you have to have that one year removed from the offer sheet. So if they agree to something, it will have to be after the draft. They could, in, they could in essence, agree to something and then just wait to make it official uh, in, in the middle of July. But uh, ultimately, yes, Indiana is a team that's interested in DeAndre Ayton. He's been interested in DeAndre Ayton. And there are pieces on that roster that the Suns think they can, you know, they can use to help build out this roster. So um, there are teams, though, man. There's more teams involved and there's more teams interested. So I think the market for DeAndre is going to heat up tremendously. And I don't, I don't buy the, uh, the lead market reports on DeAndre Ayton. I, I think that's, that's not true, brother. 
I like it. I like it a lot. Again, we're talking with Flex from Jersey, Coast to Coast Podcast, 98.7 Suns postgame show here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Tell me about Isaiah Todd. He's a guy that's going back to Phoenix as well. And from everything that I've been reading, this is a very young prospect, but a, a lot of people are really high on him. How big is this that Phoenix is getting him in return? Yeah, I mean, you know, this this kid's been in the in the G League. You know, he's got potential. He's got upside. I'll tell you what, though, man, the kid Jordan Goodwin is the kid that I think is really going to make an impact okay. in this deal. You know, they get Isaiah Todd and they get Jordan Goodwin. Um, Isaiah Todd's got potential. I mean, he, he he has his draft value for a reason. He's a developing young player, and the Suns can't get enough of those guys right now. You got to build out this roster, and you got to start to find players that you can control these contracts at the lower-end contracts because you're going to be in that second tax apron. So you're going to have to find ways to get creative and start to develop some of these younger talents. But I can't, I can't tell you enough of how excited I am about Jordan Gilden, man. I mean, this guy's 94 feet. He's a dog. He's got a 6'10 wingspan. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. Nice. Um, he, can, he can score. He can rebound. He can do a lot of stuff, man. This guy's an NBA player. So... The fact that they got Isaiah Todd, Jordan Goodwin, Bradley Beal for Chris Paul, Andrew Shannon, and a multitude of second-round picks, man, it just shows how much Brad Bell wanted to be in Phoenix. And, and it was a one-team race, brother. Let me make that clear. That was a one-team race. Uh, you know, this, this was Phoenix or nothing from my conversation. Nice. I'm telling you, this is uh, this is exciting. It really is. I was in Phoenix when they landed KD, and I remember all the fans getting excited about that. Now Bradley Beal is also joining the mix. How much pressure is now on Book and KD and even Beal to get it done now that CP3 is on his way to Washington and probably end up getting bought out there? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, pressure bust pipes are make diamonds, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is what you sign up for. You're Kevin Durant, you're, you're Devin Booker, you're Bradley Beal, you're – probably three of the top ten scores in the league pound for pound. I mean, these guys can go. Bradley Bill is two years removed from back-to-back 30-point season. So um, I think there's pressure, but these are the guys – these guys love that stuff, man. These guys are dogs. So um, I think they're embracing it. I think they're going to be fine. I think you're going to see a lot more point book. I think you saw signs of point book in the Denver series. You know, Christmas four and a half games in that series. And they had to put the ball in both hands and then unlock Devin Booker. I mean, the best basketball the Suns played in the playoffs is when Chris went out, yeah. if, if we're going to be honest offensively. So I think Book is capable. He's talented enough. I think they'll take turns. I think you got three guys that can bring the ball up. And when you, when you think about it, you're not done with the roster construction. There'll be another point guard to come in. And so, uh, yeah, it's pressure, man, but I think these guys are built for it. Talking all things Phoenix Suns right now with our guy Flex here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So Frank Vogel is in. Monty Williams is now in Detroit as the uh, head man there. What do you think about the addition of Frank Vogel? What does he bring to the Phoenix Suns? Man, I love Frank, man. Listen, I'm from New York, New Jersey, man. Uh, Frank is a, a Wildwood, New Jersey native. I've been covering Frank for a long time. know a lot of people in that circle. He's a defensive genius, man. He's a guy that changes the game defensively. I mean, one of my favorite coaches in the league is Eric Spolster, and you know what Eric can do. Yep. Um, Frank Vogel's cut from the same cloth in the sense that he sees the game defensively different. The, the caveat here is the Suns were able to keep Kevin Young. So now that's your offensive coordinator. you got other guys on the staff. you got Fizdale as well. So um, I think he's going to bring a nice, scrappy dynamic. I'm going to tell you all something, man, right here. And y'all can bring me back if I'm wrong later on. But I, I think Devin Booker is going to have the best defensive year in his career. I think Devin Booker is going to have a chance to be an all-NBA defender next year. Devin can play defense, man. And now that with, with KD and Brad Beal being able to take away some of the offensive uh, responsibilities 
and Frank Vogel's defensive principles, I think you're going to see you're going to see truly unlike Devin Booker, and you're going to see a two-way star that he's been for a long time, but just hasn't had the, the resources around him to to do it on both ends the way he should. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited about what Frank is going to bring to this team and the scrappiness and the level of uh, defensive awareness that this team is going to have now with these two juggernauts on offense. I love what you said about Book, and he was having a phenomenal playoff run. It just seemed like to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it just seemed like he ran out of gas with CP3 not being available and him having to go the whole way and be that guy. It felt like he was really putting the team on his back. Of course, KD was there as well. It just felt like to me that Book ran out of gas against Denver. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. I mean, there's a lot on his plate, you know what I mean? And this is a team that was put together basically 20, you know, 20, yeah, 18 games or something like that to get it together. And so uh, I think he ran out of gas. I think Chris getting hurt, uh, you know, put way more pressure on him. Again, having to play 20 votes. And I'm going to make something very clear, man. This guy's never going to make excuses. This guy's never going to get up there and say this. Kevin wasn't right in this playoff series. Kevin was dealing with some internal issues, some, some injuries, some tweaks um, that he just played through. And so it made, even more, it made it a little bit harder for Devin to kind of put the team on his back and try to get past that Denver series. And so now you've got... Kevin Durant and Devin Booker healing up the whole summer, a full offseason, training camp, a new system. You add Brad Bill. Um, I, think, I, I don't think we're going to have too many problems with Devin running out of gas, man, because as long as these guys can stay healthy, uh, you're going to get the best version of him. But, yeah, you're right, my man. He definitely ran out of gas, and rightfully so, man. He had a lot on his back. Yeah, he did. He was he was carrying the team, and, and like you said, KD was dealing with some things, and so he wasn't 100%. Plus, you know, he didn't really even get too much burn with the Suns before they actually got into playoff action as he was coming back from NG. So, uh, Flex, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, I know you're covering the NBA like a glove. The NBA offseason to me is fantastic. What storyline or what kind of move are you looking for, maybe even before the draft happens on Thursday, that's like most intriguing to you? Like, What are you paying attention to the most right now? Oh, man, dude, I haven't slept since Friday, man. So that's like a trick question. <laughs> yo, yo, dude, it's crazy, man. You know, this is going to be one of the most exciting off-seasons for NBA fans. Um, there's a lot of things brewing. I mean, you got the Kyrie Irving thing that's going on with Dallas. You got the James Harden dilemma. You know, you got Toronto dangling OG Ananobi, which is very intriguing. You got a mystery team in Utah that can do a lot of things. They have a lot of pieces and players people want. You got the DeAndre Ayton thing that could be resolved, I mean, as soon as, you know, today, bro, or, or before Thursday. So um, there's a plethora of things. You got you also got the Jalen Brown situation out in, in Boston, yeah. you know, um, so there's so many things and so many ways this can go. I guess to answer your question, I can tell you this. Um, I think when it's all said and done, this might go down as probably the most active offseason we've seen in decades, bro. And I'm talking about big names. I'm talking yeah. about names that people don't think can get moved. And I think it just started with Brad Bill, and it's going to uh, continue to go in that, in, in that way. Uh, Joel's a guy to keep an eye. I mean, Joel's in Philly, man, but what, what happens with James Harden is going to have a big impact on the whole Joel and B market as well. Um, it's only a matter of time before Joel looks himself in the mirror and says, hey, man, I can't keep doing this musical chairs thing. So um, these are things I'm hearing from the people I'm talking to, things to keep an eye on. So it's going, it's going to get interesting, brother. What about Zion or Dame? Those guys have new locations in 2023? Um, I, I think so, man. I think so. I think Portland's in the conundrum. I think they got this third pick. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know if they want to build around Dane. And Dane doesn't want to go with the rebuilding thing. So 
if I had to bet right now, gun to my head, I think Dame has a new home. And I, I do believe that the Pelicans are trying everything in their power to move on from Zion Williamson, man. So it's, it's going to get intriguing, man. Um, but, yes, to answer your question, I think uh, gun to my head, I think both those guys get moved this offseason. There you go. The NBA offseason, man, it's, it's like no other. It really is a lot of fun. It's exciting, and this one is shaping up to be really exciting, leading off with the Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns trade. Well, Flex, great stuff, man. I know you got the Coast to Coast podcast, 98.7 Suns postgame show. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for to keep up with uh, all things NBA? Oh, man, I got a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm in the process of moving coast to coast. I'm in New Jersey. I'm going to Arizona full-time, moving out there with my family. Nice. Doing some stuff with CBS Arizona and Fox Arizona, 98.7, the Coast to Coast podcast. A new podcast is coming. The Flex from Jersey podcast is on the way. So, uh, um, a lot a lot of exciting things, man. But, uh, yo, y'all got y'all ever need me, man. Don't hesitate, man. This is a pleasure, man. I'm, I'm truly humbled to be invited. And if y'all ever need me, man, I'm, I'm in. There's no doubt about it, man. We'll definitely be making the call. We appreciate you. Have a great evening, and we'll talk soon. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Blessings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes. Great stuff. Flex from Jersey, Coast to Coast podcast, at Flex from Jersey there on Twitter, talking all things Bradley Beal. NBA offseason, as I mentioned it many times, it is so much fun. It's so exciting. You never know where it's going to stop. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, it is, I think, the best offseason. The NFL is fun, but you know it goes in waves. Like there's that first wave, and then it's kind of done. <laughs> baseball, it's baseball, right? I mean, it's just it, it kind of is what it is. But basketball? Basketball, my friends, the NBA gets after it in a major way when it comes to the offseason. 4.13 is the time. Many thanks to Flex. Definitely appreciate him. Coming up at 4.30, Ryan Wallace, Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show, going to put a bow on the Golden Knights season that resulted in a championship and the parade right down Las Vegas Boulevard ended at Toshiba Plaza. We'll get to him at 4.30, but in between time, we'd like to get to your calls and texts, 702-365-9200 and don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Many thanks to Flex from Jersey. He does the Coast to Coast podcast. Also part of 98.7 Suns postgame show. All things Phoenix Suns. They made the big trade for Bradley Beal. Will that be enough? I don't know. They've got a lot of questions that they have to answer as far as depth goes. They don't have depth right now, but according to Flex, they're working on some things. Got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, from the 725. The Suns are like the Clippers. Give them everything they want, they still choke. They're the Lions of the NBA. Zero titles forever. This is a boring time of year for sports. That's from the 725. And uh, I agree that the Suns have some issues here and there. Of course, they ran into MJ back in the day, so Charles Barkley and Kevin Johnson and company weren't able to secure a ring there. Um, you know, I thought they had a good chance against Denver, but Denver clearly is the best team in the NBA as they ran through everyone on their way to the, the title, won that title. I don't think that they're just that bad of a team. I think that they have potential. They just don't have a very deep roster right now, and that's what they didn't have. That's kind of what, what happened as far as I'm concerned. Uh, with them this past year, you know, in the playoffs. They just didn't have the bodies. They traded so much to give up KD or get KD that they it left their bench empty. And that's the problem, I think. And that's why I asked that to Flex. Is like, well, what about the depth? Because they, they don't have anybody. And, and their their payroll right now is so large and massive for three dudes. 
right? And so DeAndre Ayton, I'm assuming that he's going to get moved, like Flex was saying. So that can that can help him a little bit and, and provide a little bit of relief as far as the salary goes. But they've got to get some guys that can contribute. I mean, you can have the big three, but you've got to have some dudes coming off the bench that can make it happen as well. And, of course, this is a slower time of year in sports in general once the NBA Finals are over. But I think the offseason for the NBA is great. Of course, there's nothing for football until training camp gets started, but that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll power through it. Baseball, I'm a big fan, but, you know, I know baseball is not a, a sport that everybody is a big fan of. So uh, thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, how about this text from Rob in Oakland? When I heard James Trapp's name, just like Mike in Kansas City, I immediately thought of him in street clothes coming off the sidelines to join a fight on the field. I believe he had a cast on his arm and got suspended for that fight, and you're right about that. Uh, also, I remember hoping CFL player Johnny Harris would make – uh, plays at safety while wearing 37 for the Raiders. He didn't even get one interception in two seasons. This ball-hawking drought has got to end. Q, we know that you know Lester Warden 37. Now if a certain person on the morning show had done it, that would have been a different significance. <laughs> I say that 100% playfully. That's Rob in Oakland. I got you. I see what you're, you're – I'm picking up what you're putting down, Rob. Uh, really good stuff there. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm never going to live that, that Lester Hayes 37. I'm never going to live that one down. And you know what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't live that one down. I know damn well <laughs> that that guy rocked number 37, and he was great. And as Shereen Williams told us, you know, as a Hall of Fame voter, that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And she's hoping that, you know, he's, he ends up in the Hall of Fame as part of the senior committee. And that's why it's always great to have folks like her and John McClain on the show because, again, they are Hall of Fame voters, and so they're able to uh, kind of provide a little bit of um, – understanding of what goes on in the in the voting room and, and John McClain has really rolled it out for us many times just what it's all about how they go through the process what it's like how lengthy it is once the seniors though they get you know they get uh, nominated it's really just a rubber stamp type situation so really all that we as Raider Nation need to do is hope that at some point Lester Hayes gets nominated for the senior committee because then it's just about a done deal that he's going to be into the Hall. Again, that's according to John McClain. Those are his words, not mine. He's a Hall of Fame voter, similar to Shereen Williams. So, yeah, I'm with you also, Rob, when it comes to that ball-hawking drought. That You're right. I've said it so many times. I, I say it's on blue in the face, man. The Raiders have got to find a dude that can get uh, uh, interceptions consistently, and they also have got to do it as a team consistently. right? Those are the two things that has to happen. And I know some people will say, oh, it doesn't matter if you, you know, one guy has 10 interceptions or four guys have eight. And you're right, it doesn't, but it kind of does. You know, you got to have that leader in the clubhouse. You got to have that dude who kind of, they go as he goes, right? And, and like Eric Allen said to me that, hey, you know, Willie Shaw used to put the number 20 on the whiteboard when training camp started and said, okay, this is the interceptions that we need to have this season. We need to aim for 20. And every dude in that locker room, tried to be that guy to lead, wanted to be the guy with the most interceptions. Like, it was a competition, and I think competition is great for everybody. If you put that number 20 on the board, like, say Patrick Graham does that this training camp, because I asked him last year, and I'll ask him again this year. I asked him last year, I said, is there a certain number, because I knew what Eric Allen had said. I said, is there a certain number of interceptions you're looking for? Is there, like, a target number? And he said, no, it's not really a target. So to me, and, I, and look, the coach knows more than I do. To me, I think there should be a target. I think there should be something to aim for. Like, I have goals that I aim for all the time that I'm not going to ever achieve, but I feel like if they're there, there's something for me to, to, to gun for. So if you have a number 20 up on the board and you came out a season where you only had six interceptions as a team, that's a, that's a hefty and a hell of a goal, 
right? And something you probably won't achieve. But if that number is there, at least you can kind of look at it and say, you know what? We've got to get there as a unit. And I'm going to lead the way. I, insert name, Nate Hobbs, I'm going to have seven myself. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to lead the team in interceptions. And I, I just said Nate Hobbs because his name was popped up at the top of my head. But maybe it's someone else. But, I mean, if you think about it, they had six interceptions last season. They had two from Deron Harmon, took one back to the house, had two from Amik Robertson, and he ended up taking one to the house. Well, he didn't take an interception to the house. He picked up the fumble and took it to the house. And they took, and he had two from Denzel Perriman. And that was it. Those are the three guys that had interceptions for the Raiders last year. Six total, two each for those three dudes. There's no way that that's okay. There's no way. Trayvon Merrick didn't have any. Hobbs didn't have any. Any other corner didn't have any. I mean, it's just like, what are we doing here? Right? I mean, at some point, you're in that secondary. You're on that defense. You've got to find a way to get your hands on the ball. So this year, Ja'Korian Bennett, five interceptions the last two seasons. Chris Smith, six interceptions the last two seasons. Marcus Epps, I think he has three career interceptions. Right? I mean, guys that they've brought in have production. I cannot say that enough and stress that enough. They have got to put a number on the whiteboard, and they've got to gun for it. And someone's got to be like, you know what? I'm going to be the baddest dude out here, and I'm going to come away with the most. Someone, and that's why when we talk about, hear about the conversation and talk about could Marcus Peters end up being a Raider, you know why? Because he has ball production. He has a guy that is going to get burned. He's going to frustrate you. But he's going to come away with the ball. He's going to come up with some picks. And that's something that the Raiders need so desperately. You can go back to Gruden, and, and he would say, well, the, the defense needs to create more turnovers. I mean, that was something that, that he was saying, and a lot of people would say, well, the offense needs to do this, that, and the other. You're right, but the defense needs to come up with the more the, the turnovers. They have to. They've got to find a way to do it. It's one of the most frustrating things that they aren't able to come away with more turnovers. It just, it, it, like I said, it drives me crazy. So thank you so much for that, Rob. Definitely appreciate you. And of course, you can continue to chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And the phone line, we don't have a guest at 702-365-9200. Who is it on the Raiders radar that you feel like, or Raiders roster, I should say, that is flying under the radar? Let me know about it. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace, Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show. He'll join us to put a bow on the Golden Knight season. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Sound a little, or heard a little sound right there from the parade that happened on Saturday. It's really good stuff. Really good. Great parade. Great atmosphere. I did not go and attend it in person, but definitely saw plenty of the festivities as it was covered like a glove on television. And, of course, we had some of our very own there at the parade and even in the parade, including our next guest. That's Ryan Wallace from Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show. Does a fantastic job, uh, pre, post, all that good stuff. And, Ryan, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, my man. And for you, how was it, man, thinking about or did you ever think that Father's Day weekend, birthday celebration would be like this Father's Day weekend was and birthday celebration was for you? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, it's pretty unbelievable, to, to be honest with you, that the Golden Knights would win the Stanley Cup. Um, 
the, the night before my birthday and that there would be a, a parade down Las Vegas Boulevard uh, that I would be fortunate enough to be in uh, the day before Father's Day. It's been a tremendous week and an unreal week, and uh, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. Yeah, no, it really was, and and I was not one of the brave ones that decided to actually go and attend the parade. I just decided to watch it from a distance, but it was amazing on TV. But as you were there and you were in it, what was that moment like for you, knowing everything that you've done, the whole season that's gone along, pregame shows, postgame shows, going to practice, <laughs> going to games, to end up being celebrated and being on that or in that parade with the Golden Knights? Uh, dream come true, I think, is kind of the, the thing that I keep coming back to. Like, I mean, I, I, started, I started skating at three years old. I was playing hockey at five years old growing up in Southern California. I, I played the game throughout my, my youth. And, you know, when you make that realization that it's not going to happen for you at a professional level, um, the dreams that you had as a kid still stay with you, and you just kind of find different ways, you know, to go about that. And there was a period of time where I, I didn't expect, or, or really think that I'd be doing anything in hockey for the rest of my life. And then, you know, the, the Vegas Golden Knights became a team, and I was afforded an opportunity, and it's realized the childhood dream that I've had from, from three years old on, and that was to be around the Stanley Cup, to, to see a championship won, to, to contribute in some way uh, to that. So, I, I mean, it was the culmination of, of 34 years of grinding away and wanting to be a part of it. And it was overwhelming and humbling and gratifying and um, a dream come true. I have no doubt about that. Again, Ryan Wallace is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness talking about the Golden Knights Stanley Cup winners and, of course, the parade that happened on Saturday here in Vegas. So, Ryan, hockey can never happen in the desert. It'll never work. It's not going to (laughs) work. Nobody's going to like hockey. What did that parade and all the folks that were out there, hundreds of thousands felt like, of people that were out there, what what did that tell you? Uh, It tells me that this, this community absolutely loves hockey. This community loves the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and there's a lot of reasons, obviously, big factors to do with that. The, the response from the team after 1 October was immense, and it was perfect, and it was what you needed. The, 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 the first year, the inaugural season, what it helped do to this city for this city will never, ever be forgotten. But then, in order to survive as a franchise, specifically the first professional franchise in Vegas history. You have to build a contender. You have to build a winner early on because that's when you can convert some of those people that you know maybe haven't watched too much hockey or they're getting into it because it's the first team. And what the Golden Knights have been able to do over the last five and a half, six years in building and growing and getting closer and closer has been nothing short of amazing. And you know what? Hockey works in Las Vegas. Hockey's always going to work in Las Vegas because I have no doubt this Golden Knights team is not going to be satisfied with just one championship. They want to win every year, and they're doing the things behind the scenes in order to make sure that happens. You know, we got to see a lot of the players having a really good time on stage. We <laughs> saw them on the buses. But just, you know, being around the players, being around the team, just kind of seeing even as the parade got started, what was their overall emotions like? Just, like, happiness, right? And it's, it's, so, it's so simple to say that, but... You know, again, you work your entire life for this. Some players, they, they, you know, certainly the original misfits, the six that were there, Will Carrier, Shea Theodore, Braden McNabb, and then obviously William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, and Riley Smith, they were there in 2018 when they lost in Game 5 on home ice 
for the Washington Capitals for the Stanley Cup. To come full circle like that and be a part of it is massive. And then you know, everybody else, Mark Stone, his first Stanley Cup championship. Jack Eichel, his first Stanley Cup championship. Bruce Cassidy, his first Stanley Cup championship. When you're in this business for a long time, that's what it's all about. That's what you covet. That's the memory you want to have when you retire, hang them up, and think back on. And everyone was soaking in the moment. Everyone was enjoying the moment. And they were having as much fun behind the scenes as they were on those buses and during that, uh, during that rally. Ryan, the hockey guy, VGK insider from our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And Necessary Roughness talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. And you mentioned Bruce Cassidy. What was he able to do? What was it about his coaching style, the buttons that he pushed to get the Golden Knights and get the most out of them that obviously led to a championship? Well, he has a belief in how you have to play to win. And there's a couple of things that 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 entails. Number one, it's being responsible with the puck. And there were times where the Golden Knights early on with Bruce Cassidy weren't necessarily as responsible as they should be. They were a stubborn team. He used that word early on in the season to try to get puck management where it needed to be in order to facilitate the areas of the game they had to be better. For the Golden Knights the last couple of years, they were very much a rush team, not so much an interior presence team. What they were able to accomplish this year in the postseason, the ability to score at will, they averaged four goals per game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's because they got inside. It's because they turned themselves into a team that wasn't, wasn't, nec- it, it wasn't predicated on rush opportunities and rush chances. They were able to create offense from below the goal lines, and that's really what turned them into an offensive juggernaut. From there, though, they did a great job taking care of their their own end. They didn't allow very much in terms of quality scoring chances against, and that's very much a Bruce Cassidy style of system. It's a zone defense. You collapse the middle. You allow your goaltender to see shots, and if their goalie's playing well, they're going to make those saves, and it's all those systems and all the buy-in from the players that really culminated in this championship. One thing that stood out to me a lot about the Golden Knights was the fact that they were the least penalized team in in hockey, and and that's something that I would love for the Raiders to be able to claim one day, that they're the least penalized. What what was it about them that made them such a disciplined team? So I I think, number one, they, they they don't necessarily go down easy. And and it, it seems counterintuitive to talk about them as a team not doing much to draw penalties, but it factors in because a lot of the NHL is, is you're dealing with makeup calls, even up calls, that kind of stuff. So when the Golden Knights go down and there's a penalty called for them, you have to make sure that it's going to be something that's legitimate going the other way. So their honesty as a team generally leads to less penalties called overall in the games that they're playing. Beyond that, though, They're a fast team, and they check with their legs. They don't reach in. It's not so much the undisciplined penalties, more so stuff where they're sticking up for teammates or their compete penalties. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, as, again, a fast team, I think that if they're using their legs and they're skating, that's their biggest strength. They're not going to take too many penalties. And they're also going to possess the puck pretty well. When they put pucks in deep and they're playing with the puck, it's a lot harder to take penalties when the opposition's chasing you as opposed to the other way around. 
Again, Ryan, the hockey guy, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 talking all things Golden Knights. Just got a couple more questions for you, and this one probably is the most important one. If you had the opportunity to have the Stanley Cup, as all the players do, they could possess it for a day. Where is the Stanley Cup going with uh, Ryan, the hockey guy? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, would, it would probably start off um, at Lotus Broadcasting, and that would just be a, a non-negotiable for me, obviously. Uh, from there, it, it would likely go to some of the places I skated as a kid. We'd have to, you know, find a way to get to California pretty quickly, but uh, it would hit all the uh, all the old haunts for me. It would hit uh, the, the the Pickwick Ice Center in in Burbank. It would hit uh, a couple of other spots from from where I grew up and where I skated. And you know, then it would come home. I would come home. I would hang out. I'd, I'd watch TV or something. I don't know. Maybe play a play a, a pickup game of hockey i i don't know exactly <laughs> all i know is i would have it for the 24 hours i wouldn't let it go for the 24 hours and, and hold on to that thing and cherish it forever i know that's right well i'm about to go on vacation so i'm taking it to hawaii with me i'm filling that bad boy up with some good <laughs> my ties and i'm having myself a great time for that 24 hours i'm acting a fool you're gonna think i'm wild bill they're gonna call me wild q <laughs> <laughs> They'll call me wild Q if I get my opportunity. Well, final question for you, Ryan, and this is probably the most important one, and I know that family is very important to you. So what is yeah. Mrs. Hockey Guy and what is the the kiddos? How do they feel about this whole thing, wrapping up in the championship and being able to see you be a part of that parade? Yeah, I mean, like, I couldn't do any of this without them. Like, that's, that's first and foremost. Uh, Mrs. Wallace is – an absolute saint. She's amazing, and and you know you know what it's like to to, to work a season, right? It's yeah. long hours. It's it's late nights. It's a lot that uh, you know that you're doing on on a day to day basis. Even when you're not on the air, it's it's a lot of work. So um, she lays the foundation and the groundwork for our family. She's the one that that really deserves a ton of credit for uh, just being able to go and do this and, and live out a dream. And uh, they were at the parade. Um, and it was the coolest moment of, of really my professional life was getting to see them while I was on the bus, hmm. spotting my, my son, spotting my daughter and my wife, and I, I blacked out. Like, I'm not even going to lie. I, I lost it. She's got video of it. It's amazing, uh, but one of the coolest moments ever, and I'm so fortunate that I was able to share that with them. That's awesome. It really is. And I knew that that was going to be a special moment. I know they had the opportunity to come in the studio when the, the cup was here. So I know that that was a special yeah. moment that they were able to share as well. And again, man, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, if we're going to be able to do this on the daily, we've got to have a really good support team. Clearly you do. And then to be able to reap the benefits and rewards and share that moment with them as well. I know it's, it's really special. So make sure you tell uh, Mrs. Wallace, we said thank you as well for uh, allowing you to, you know, <laughs> to hang out with us for a little while. You know what I mean? I know there are long days and you're putting in a lot of work. But uh, we definitely appreciate you. You, you guys, uh, the VGK Insiders, were the soundtrack to a championship season that should never, ever be forgotten. You guys did uh, a great job, and we definitely appreciate you. Thanks so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much. No doubt. No doubt. There he goes. Ryan Wallace, Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insiders Show. Again, him and Darren Millard did a really good job navigating through the course of the season, the all the, the travel, all the coverage from going back to practice and going to games and pre- and post-game shows and everything that went into it to end up with the championship and a championship parade that we all saw how it unfolded on Saturday on the Las Vegas Strip and then obviously ended up at Toshiba Plaza where it was just 
and just unbelievable. We were at the barbershop on Saturday as I go in every Saturday morning to get my hair cut, and we were talking about it, my, my barber D and then Will. Uh, we were talking about how many people we were anticipating being there, and I honestly had no idea. I was like, I don't know, tens of thousands, like, you know, 10,000, maybe more, whatever like that. Uh, boy, was I wrong. It was, uh, I mean, it was enormous amount of people. There had to be about 14,000, 15,000 people just on Toshiba Plaza alone, let alone all the people that lined the streets of, of Las Vegas Boulevard and then made their way over to Toshiba Plaza a little bit later. It was incredible. Uh, I thought that the, the, the Metro Police did a fantastic job making sure that nothing got out of hand. Uh, safety is the first and foremost thing that's most important, and we all know that every event is not always safe uh, around the country. I'm not saying exclusive to Las Vegas. I'm saying across the country. We always want safety, and I thought they did a great job. But, man, what a celebration it was, and it was pretty funny to witness a lot of it on TV and just kind of hear the, the ins and outs and the stories and for Ryan to be in the parade to be on the bus with the players, I thought that that was really a special moment. And so, uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been a good time. I've been here July 13th will be two complete years. I've been working for uh, Lotus Broadcasting, working for the radio stations, and there's already two championships in the building. So I'm just saying. It's not a me thing. I'm just saying it's been fun. So I'm hoping that the Raiders are able, able to add the trifecta to the mix and step their game up and all of a sudden be big-time players. But uh, it's a lot going on. Here in Vegas, when it comes to sports, it's fantastic. We got Summer League right around the corner, starting around July 7th. We'll be out there for that. I'm pumped up about that. Uh, of course, the draft is coming up on Thursday. Uh, you'll see a lot of players that you see drafted very highly in that Summer League action. Of course, you got the G League Ignite uh, at the DLC. You'll see a lot of great players playing there, as we saw Wimbenyana playing last year against Scoot Henderson for a couple games. That was great. There's just so much space and opportunity when it comes to sports and it comes to this area. And, of course, those pesky A's, those Oakland A's, they'll be making their way this way as well. As you see, I don't get super excited for that, even though I am an A's fan. It's really weird to say that, but as an A's fan, it's just it's just a shame of how they put that product out there on the field and all the great fans of the Oakland A's that have been, you know, just as far as I'm concerned, disrespected with the product that they've been putting out there and the, and the fact that they won't invest in their own players. That can't happen when they come to Las Vegas. They just can't. They will not get any locals, which they, I know they don't care about the locals showing up to the game immediately. They think it's going to be all tourists that are going to show up at first anyway, which is fine. But on a Wednesday afternoon, if you have an option to go somewhere in Las Vegas and see a fantastic show or go see an A's game, I guarantee you, they ain't going to that A's game. But that's another conversation for another day. We're thinking happy thoughts right now. 4.46 to the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Go ahead, Ari. Oh, I just, I'm feeling generous. You mentioned the Summer League. How about yeah. four tickets? To Summer League? Yes, sir. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, do it. Okay. It's uh, July 7th, July through the 17th at the Thomas & Mack. Get your tickets at UNLV. Excuse me, UNLVtickets.com. I'm so excited. I got to slow down. Two tickets to the Michelob Ultra Court Side Lounge. Uh, we'll announce the winner July 7th, so that's uh, that's the grand prize. We'll get you tickets right now. Caller 7. So Okay, so no, caller 9. Caller 9. Uh, I keep forgetting my yeah. ESPN days. Yes, yeah, 9. Yeah, yeah. I don't know As why I don't know why it'd be caller 7 with with ESPN when ESPN uh, is 1100. 7, 1100. I don't know. <laughs> this, these, these things were grandfathered in long before I got Clay Baker. I'll blame him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I do too. All so, right, so, so call in number nine. 702-365-9200. We're giving a give a let me get this right. We're giving a four pack of tickets away to Summer League, and that's going to get folks in to win the grand prize, which is basically like courtside seats yeah, or whatever. See, that's why you're behind the mic and I'm behind there the mic. There you board. go. Nailed well, that's, it, hey, Thank I'm, you. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me about that. Let's do it right now. Again, call number nine is what we're looking for, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shout out to my guy, Big Game James. Big Game James got hooked up with a four-pack of tickets to go to Summer League. Again, it starts July 7th, Thomas and Mac. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're there each and every year. We broadcast live from there. I enjoy going to Summer League. I've been going to Summer League for years uh, when I would come visit here to Vegas. That's a, a fun event, seeing these NBA players before they really become superstars, before they become big time, right? Just guys that are out there putting their, their talents to the test and being able to see them up close and personal, I always think it's really fun. So shout out to James who got hooked up with a four-pack of tickets and now is in to win some, some, some courtside seats, which doesn't really get any better than that at all. But uh, we got more winning on the way, of course, the morning tailgate. Uh, with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown and Vinny Bonsignor tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. They'll have more tickets. JT the Brick will have more tickets. And, of course, we'll have more tickets here on Unnecessary Roughness. It'll be John Von Tobel tomorrow and the next day, holding it down for me. Uh, I think DeMond will be back in studio tomorrow and Wednesday as well. Matter of fact, DeMond will be back in studio uh, from tomorrow through when I get back. And uh, they will go from there. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a mix mash of people that are in studio kind of filling, uh, filling in for me as I'm uh, vacationing with the family, excited about the opportunity to go and uh, get up out of here for a little while and go to Hawaii and enjoy ourselves, have a nice little break. That's where we went last year. And once we got there, I think me and the wife spent about a day there last year. I was like, yeah, we're going to come back here next year. So <laughs> that's exactly what we're going to do. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, definitely need to get a little bit of R&R, a little rest and relaxation, then come back ready to go full throttle as we do here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Get prepared for training camp that's right around the corner. And then, of course, get prepared for the upcoming season. Uh, see what the 53-man roster looks like. Tons of storylines. Who's going to be uh, the standouts on defense outside of Max Crosby? You know about him. I mean, there's so many different storylines I feel like that we could follow, even heading into training camp. You know, what does Jimmy G look like? Is Jimmy G out there fully healthy? Same thing to go for Tyree Wilson, the rookie out of Texas Tech. Um, you know, there's many different storylines you can look at. What's Josh Jacobs and his contract situation look like? Is he playing on the one-year deal? Has he got a multi-year deal? Was he able to get that done, solidified? Uh, Ed Graney brought up earlier today about uh, looking at Zamir White. That was a guy that wasn't really flying under the radar. He just was kind of curious about, you know, just to see what you see from him in, in training camp. He had 17 carries during the regular season. 17. That's it. That's not a whole hell of a lot, obviously, because Josh Jacobs just never came off the field. He was that sticking good, played all 17 games, went over 1,600 yards. I'm expecting Josh Jacobs to have another big season for the Raiders. I don't expect him to have as many carries as he had a year ago. I just don't. You know, I, I just that was the most carries he had ever had in his career. I don't see him doing that back-to-back years, right? I, I, I think he's still going to have a, a, a lot of the carries, but I just don't think it's going to be 340 or whatever the number was. I think it was just a huge number that he carried the rock. So uh, it would probably be a little bit more uh, of Zamir White. Again, 
I mean, hell, you give him 17 more, that's a lot more than he had, right? I mean, he only had 17 his rookie year. So probably looking at around, if I had to throw a number out there, anywhere between like 75 and 100 carries, I would think, it should be should be about right for Zamir. And that will probably put Josh Jacobs around two, 250, 250 carries. I think that that should be something that should be uh, doable for the silver and black. But, again, I'm talking about this on June 19th. We haven't even seen training camp. Who knows what you know could happen during training camp, uh, what the situation could look like. Who knows? There's, there's a long time to go before we actually know who's, who's getting what as far as carries go. Uh, excited, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, about guys under the radar like a Jacoby Myers on offense. Again, I think not enough people are, are paying attention to what he brings to the table as far as a receiver goes. And now that he's playing across from Devontae Adams, how much better is he going to be? He's not going to be the number one target. He's led the Patriots in receiving yards like three years, right? He's only been in the league five years, and he's been leading them three years. So basically, he's their number one dude. Now he's not that number one dude. So, man, can you imagine how good he can be in this offense? You, you put in Michael Mayer as well at tight end, especially in the red zone. You got Hunter Renfro. Mix it, throw him into the mix. I mean, the, the offense, there's a lot to like about this offense. And kind of going back to Jim from Yonkers, his text that he sent us earlier, on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and he said, Carmen Basillo is under the radar, the offensive line coach. He said, we talk about McDaniels and Graham all the time. This guy worked under one of the best in New England, which he did. Many of the offensive line are under the radar. Most of them, most of them are undrafted or late-round picks. He said, I think Basillo is doing the most coaching and teaching on the staff. Thank you for a great show. Hope you had a great Father's Day. And then he said, uh, 37, Lester Hayes. And I didn't get a chance to get to Carmen Basillo. I should have, especially after that that text that Jim sent. But uh, he had an opportunity to meet with the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center like last week or whatever the last – yeah, last week. It was last Tuesday before uh, before camp got uh, wrapped up for, for the summer and, and then they get ready for mandatory minicamp. And, you know, he's all about exactly what Jim from Yonkers said, all about coaching and teaching, teaching and coaching, coaching and teaching. Like that's what he does. That's what he brings to the table. And so all these guys are going to continue to get better. And they should continue to get better. There's more depth, I think, so there'll be more competition. But for the most part, they're pretty confident in the five that they have right now and only looking for a way to improve them and make them even a lot better in 2023. So uh, that's all for me. I'm out. I'll be back on uh, on uh, the 28th at 2 o'clock. But uh, you'll be in good hands in the meantime, in between time. Have a great day, Raider Nation. We appreciate you. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.